Welcome to Hermes AM, where we explore ideas, share experiences, and feed curiosity. We seek to learn and grow. Join us in challenging perspective and ideas. And we're talking about critiquing, which is uh, which is kind of like something that's kind of near and dear to my heart on some level, especially when you travel to trade shows as much as I do, deal with our, being a fan or having fans. There's a lot of like um, a lot of a lot of critiquing going on and a lot of opinions. So we're gonna kind of get dive into what we think critiquing is and how like and how it could be construed as terrible and uh, the I guess the good thing and the bad thing about it um, from the fans perspective, from like the artist perspective. Uh, and, and then also just from a workplace or like from Spencer's DJing and how he's been critiqued for his stuff or Talisman's critiqued from her job. So you can look at it like from a, a perspective of a whole realm of just criticizing people for what they do for a living, you know? So what do you, go ahead, Tal, take it away. Well, I was actually just going to ask, you know, um, do you recall of any memorable critiques of your work? First of all, I don't really understand why anyone would have the need to actually go up to an artist to say, I don't like your work. Uh, I but, don't, you know, I, that's I don't... funny because that's exactly what has happened to me before in the past. So it'd be just like, I've had a guy come up to me uh, in, I think, the Chicago area where he brought up the fact that like, oh, he's all you, he's all, did you do the, the Joker with the big nose? And I was like, yeah, I did that. And he's like, I don't like that. And I was like, oh, and I was like, well, I was, it's because I could. And he was like, and then he's like, that's fair enough. And, I was like, and then, and then I had another guy, some other guy, but this guy looked kind of a little socially awkward, but he came up and he just would look at my stuff and he pointed at something. He's like, that right there, I don't like it. And I was like, all right, man, that's cool. <laughs> you know, so there's like, so there's a number of different kind of things where people just want to give you some kind of uh, feedback. Sometimes it's positive, sometimes it's constructive, and sometimes it's just flat out just rude. And I think it's a lot of times they're just trying to get a rise out of you or trying to kind of like emotionally compromise you kind of thing. No, I, I, I mean, I, w- I would say it's a step beyond that or behind that where it's like they just want to interject their own personal viewpoint and perspective on it yeah right? I like see that. And, and more like they it, sometimes it might be that they're um they're trying to yeah, get in your head but i would say most of the times like that lady in, in portland who came up and was like tried to tell you how to start <laughs> selling your paper that you yeah. use and your art and 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 they just everybody i don't know yeah it's I, I'm going through this this book, which is like 101 essays, uh, and and one of them was just talking about how, essentially, the the viewpoints and perspectives that we have, that's how we see the world, and that's how we interpret everything in the world. And so somebody looks at art, and they're going to be like, I mean, like that guy, right? Like, oh, that that's that to me doesn't look good, um, and it's like cool. I, I mean that's the that's the thing. It, it's you're not in the arena. Yeah. You didn't create it. Yeah. It. Uh, uh, yeah. So as so we, we'll as, we, as we get into we'll this conversation, that's going to yeah. be a key piece, right? Like you have people who are in it doing it, and then you have people that are consuming it, and the and consumer then there's people with biased opinions based on what because they do it too, and they have an opinion based on what they like and what they dislike. For instance, I'll give you a quick uh, thing. As I put in a piece, like an old piece, I put in the astronaut baseball bat moonshot. I put it in for the the state fair here in Sacramento, and because it's been, I've never put it in, and usually I put it in for the art show or whatever. It got it got denied, and I'm guessing like it was like one of those uh, situations where the judge or the judges like either didn't like me or they didn't like the artwork or they. And so it's basically a biased opinion based on. What we're looking at. So if you look at critiquing from the idea of uh, I'm going to go show my work to possibly get a job, right? Like doing art. I'm going to go show all the guy, the 90s guy from Image, my work that maybe get a job doing comics. So I take my work and I'm new again and I take my work up to him. What do you think that guy from the 90s is going to say about my work? 
like granted i think it's solid granted i spent a lot of time developing it i would say on i would say i'm at a professional level where i can give them something like that would be relatively perceived as professional yet do you think those guys would actually give me a time of day based on their biasy of what they've wanted and what they've controlled from a narrative from their perspective do you think they'll be actually willing to give me or like any other artists of some kind of different style that doesn't traditionally fit that mold of what they're trying to convey, do you think that the critique would be positive? Tao. <laughs> well, okay. So here's the thing. At what point is it like, at what point is it okay to give critiques, right? Because on one hand you have, um, you know, someone like J. Scott Campbell, who says that there's a distinction between, uh, you know, trying to fix someone's art and saying it's wrong versus fan art. And it comes down to intentionality. Um, whereas one is a celebration of the original piece and the other is a display of arrogance. Um, but at the same time, if you think about, you know, all the times people have critiqued or, uh, shared fixes of things we think of some major comic book artists like rob liefeld like everyone makes fun of rob liefeld's uh art from before especially that captain well, america and then I, his his the fact that he's such a nice guy comes into play there as well he's known to be like one of the biggest assholes on the planet too especially <laughs> to his fan base so therefore you're looking at the, the like it's not even just the fact that his artwork is like his artwork it's because of his attitude towards his actual fan base. And that's a lot of times where you can misconstrue the critique is no longer its artwork, but now it's a, it's a reflection of the person that actually represents. Well, then maybe because he's an asshole that no one cares that people poke fun at his art from the 90s, which everyone I think universally agrees that it was terrible, but it still made a lot of money at the time and it helped launch him to who he is. Uh, but then you also have these larger movements like the Hawkeye movement, where a lot of people redrew very sexist poses in comics um, and replaced them with Hawkeye to bring attention to the fact that, you know, these positions that they put women in comics just make, one, no anatomical sense at all. Um, but two, it's just you, it happens so often, you don't even realize that you're only doing this to women. Um, and so, you know, you can go online, you can see a lot of pieces of artwork where, you know, that could be considered a critique by pointing out, hey, why did you do this, right? Um, I'm thinking also about Spider Woman, that Minara cover that was pulled because it was just Spider Woman with her her butt just sticking out, um, and once again a pose that just didn't make any sense. Uh, so so then, but then we have to also look at like the the the, the genre that which we're in. We're looking at a genre that was created by a bunch of men that basically from from the very beginning has been known to uh, draw women in um, these kind of positions. Uh, from the very beginning, right? And then that's kind of like what they've always done. So like, as it kind of goes down to this position where more women are in the industry, more younger audiences are in the industry, and obviously this kind of, that reflection of women is no longer valid. Mm -hmm. But yet you still have the guys that from those 80s and 90s, that that's what they known and that's what they got noticed for and that's what they continue to work on are continually working on this because that's all they know. Yet the audience is not responding to it as much as they are. But yes, you are getting a lot of the old guys that grew up with the kids that were like, for me, that I grew up in the 90s. So I saw those guys, I liked them until you meet them and then you hate them, right? So then the, like, but as you kind of see how that that is going on is that they're, like, the, they're skipping a generation. If you let those same artists continue down that road of always showing exactly what you're what they've been doing for this the whole time, you're skipping the generation. So long now you know now long no longer do these characters in those kind of positions speak to the audience when the, the, the newer generation's coming up, especially a lot more girls in the industry, a lot more younger adults that are looking at this and, and then they're just not feeling it, you know? Uh, and then, but then, then again, you're saying like that we we can also look at anime. How a lot of the younger generations love anime, and they're just as sexist as the American comic book artists from back in the day. And they tend to kind of continue 
to put the, that type of narrative in their in their stuff. It's gradually changing, but it's still pretty prominent that they also came from that position of drawing uh, young women in in positions like that, all the way back to like uh, like to Dragon Ball Z or something like that. They've always been known to do it. So it's kind of like you have to see how this needs to be like handed off to another generation so they can speak to the audience they're trying to use. And that's just that's my personal take. Obviously, that's my critique of the industry. Right. So um, but you can see where I'm coming from is that where you're seeing that like when people are noticing it now because you're giving these guys still a spotlight that have been in the spotlight since the 80, early, early 90s, late 80s, and they're continually doing the same thing. Like, what do you expect them to do? This is all they've helped. This is all they've ever done. And then, like, this is what they continue to do. And this is what they can, the industry continues to promote. So, therefore, when they're getting flack for it, it, it does make sense to get flack for it. But it's not going to change when people keep buying it. So, I mean, it almost sounds like you're saying that critique is necessary for the industry to move forward. So, you know, on one hand, I have that quote from um, J. Scott Campbell that says, you know, it's it's not right to go ahead and try to fix quote unquote someone's art um, because it's their ex expression. But, you know, how, I, I think one question is at what point does an artist lose ownership of their art? Because- As soon as it goes out in the public, they lose ownership of it. As soon as it's in the public, they lose ownership of it. I don't like, that. nothing changes unless something changes. That's the point like, so whatever he's saying is bullshit. Like, I, I, like it's bullshit. Because the thing is, once you put it out there and somebody wants to learn from it, they're going to copy it. A younger person is going to copy it to learn from it. Like, that's just them learning from it. Somebody else is going to look at it and think that they can correct it in some way. They can correct it in some way. He doesn't have no right to it once it's on the Internet. It's over for him. Like, it's just, that's like saying that somebody owns a tweet once they say something terrible. Like, they don't own the tweet. You said it. It's all documented that you they said it. They own it if it's an M it. NFT new. <laughs> NFT, they own it. Sorry, but they, I couldn't help but it. That's, but, yeah, but that's, uh, but that's what I'm saying is that you have no right to what people's expression is. And, like, what I see, like, read about Daniel Kahneman, who actually, like, was been proven wrong in a lot of his books that he actually wrote. And then somebody else comes up and makes a point that this doesn't make sense. And you know what Daniel Kahneman does? He gets excited about the fact that somebody proved him wrong. So he learns something different. And that's it. Like, you're looking at the egos of these artists that think that they can no longer learn anything new, especially from somebody that's considered an amateur or somebody that's a lower, lower value than them or lower popularity than them. They feel like they can learn nothing from them. And here's a big shock to all those artists that don't think they can learn anything. You can learn something from your enemy. You can learn something from like the, a kid just drawing with crayons. You can learn something all the time. But your ego is too big to think that you are so good at what you do that I can't learn anything new ever. And this guy doesn't know anything. That's just like the ego on them to say something like that. People say I suck all the time. Most of the time they're right. <laughs> like, I constantly am trying to learn and trying to grow and kind of be better all the time. And it is my job to take what is said and continue to try to make it better. And the thing is like, if I would ever tell you that I can't be any better, then I, why am I even doing this anymore? You know? Well, and I, I think there is a difference, though, between providing, you know, a, an actual critique and saying, I don't like this because of this and this, your adjustments that I think would make it better. And then just someone walking up to you and just saying, you suck and then walking away. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I would laugh so hard if somebody said that to me. And not only that, but I'd be like, yeah, you're right, man. J. Scott Campbell's right down the aisle from me. <laughs> so, he's like right there. So don't worry. You know, so oh. or you or you walk down Artist Alley and Jim Lee's everywhere. You can just yeah. go down there. You know, so yeah. yeah. Well, and kind of on a very similar topic, um, something I read this morning, uh, there was a woman who donated ten million dollars to California State University Long Beach to get a to get their museum, their their publicly funded art museum, uh, renamed after her. And then part of the request was that in one of the wings of that museum, they had to permanently display her art. Like it had to be in rotation. Uh, and there's a lot of criticism about this because a lot of art critics, including art professors, were just like, 
this art is terrible. Like if a student submitted this as part of their portfolio, they yeah. would not be admitted into the department. And I've seen a lot of back and forth about it. A lot of people comparing it to mass printed, like psychedelic posters. Um, and other people saying like, I don't know much about fine art. I don't see what's great about it, but I also don't see what's terrible about it. And so it's just one of those things where, you know, it's, it's all in the eye of the beholder, but it, I feel like, again, this is kind of going down to that critique thing, right? Of deciding, well, who decides what's valuable and what's the one not. With the loudest mouth, Tao. The <laughs> one with the loudest mouth gets and to decide. And $10 million? Gets to decide who, what the rules are because, and mostly what you just said is correct, is the assholes with degrees get to fucking decide because they were in school forever. Yet, most of them are just failed artists to begin with because they can never do what the rest of us do and actually promote ourselves and actually do it. So they just fell back on that degree that you gave them, Tao. So they can actually just tell people what to do and with art. And then that's another thing, too, is like you're looking at a bias from a perspective of teaching. Like you have an idea of what you think art is, what it should look like, what it, what it continuously should look like, because this is what you like. Therefore, you're only going to teach from this biased perspective of what you like and not what anybody else's should like think of it. Because, you know, when it comes down to art, I, my personal philosophy on art is there's no goddamn rules like. And, and But the thing is, I also am a big firm believer is that what's popular and what sells is also not up to the artists. It's up to the people that actually look at it. So therefore, the public is, is that the public is the boss when it comes to art and deciding if it's valuable, if it should be seen, if it shouldn't be seen. Like some individual from a, a college, I don't believe should be able to dictate what they what should be seen in a museum based on their degree. I think what needs to be seen in a museum is based on what the people dictation is worth seeing at the museum. And then like, and that's, that's what I think. I think people should decide. I don't think like the, the individual shouldn't decide because that's all ego. I don't think one person with a degree should decide either. Like, I just think it just comes down to the popularity and what the people see in it. And if more enough people see something in that, then there's perceived value in that. And there's perceived like they, they see something in themselves in that artwork and they therefore they like it. And those all those all those college professors can be pissed that people like this. Like I'm guessing like like my my daughter says like she takes takes school in high school or takes art in high school and most of them hate anime. You know? And it's mostly just, it's not because it's art's bad, it's just that they don't understand it nor do they think it's it's valuable. And yet if, for these younger audience it is valuable. It is for them the only form of artwork. And they think all comic book art is terrible. You know, so therefore who's right and who's wrong? Like nobody's right and nobody's wrong. But when you talk to that generation, anime is better. And and they're right because the majority of them like it. And the majority of the old people don't, you know? So it's like, and that's like, uh, and that's like, it comes down to the public eye, I think, you know? Yeah. Well, and like you said, it comes down to a lot of his voice. So regardless of whether or not this woman's art is good or bad, uh, most of the loud voices and news outlets are just publishing articles talking about how this, this woman who has no credentials put up their, her terrible art that no one wanted to buy um, by donating a massive amount of money to CSU Long Beach. I want to do that. I want to donate a lot of money and get my own wing to the to the to the place like that nobody wants me there. That'd be awesome, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you can just buy anything. So, Tal, from your perspective, and then I'm going to ask Spence too. But as like your perspective, what do you think of like the? Because you grew up probably around the same time as we did. So, what do you think about the like like how like say for instance the Hawkeye thing? And how they've always portrayed what for you does it look like it's just normal because you've grown up with it or do you think that obviously something needs to change i mean i think things do need to change um just because like you said this is you know the industry has been dominated by cis white male males for such a long time and so it's it's what they like it's what they think sells um and, you know, they are also the dominant and they're also catering to groups like themselves. And so the rest of the people who aren't a part of that majority, they have no choice but to to join along like sheeple 
to say, yes, I like this. Um, and just thinking about, you know, what is available out there. And I am guilty of this, like just looking at what I get um, on my Instagram feed in terms of artwork that gets promoted to me. A lot of it starts to look very, very similar. Um, Are you like the Glen Keane? Everybody draws like Glen Keane. Yeah, yeah. There was this artist. Uh, you used to tell me what his name was all the time. Um, he is from South America somewhere. Doesn't speak English, but his his artwork reminded me. It was very similar, but not quite to Francis Manipal. Uh, but the style was similar. And I always had the hardest time trying to tell them apart. I know you and Ian were great at it, but you guys have the eye for detail. I just look at things and I just think, do I think it looks pretty or not? Um, and there's so many wonderful artists out there who are very talented, but again, because we're constantly selling, you know, very similar things. Well, like say for instance, I always see at Comic Con, you're a big fan of Brittany Lee, right? Down the, mm -hmm. she's down the aisle from us, and um, yeah. so like, wouldn't you love to see like her take on some Marvel stuff, right? Like that, she's probably if she's been asked, she's probably probably turned it down or asked for too much money. But back, like the thing is, I think somebody like that would look really cool in something like this. But whether or not will they hire her because it should, like there's a number of few things. It's either like they don't think she's marketable, which is bullshit, or you think that, or they, they're gonna, or they're gonna mess up the system of what they think is like a comic book style of artwork, like the house style, shakes it up too much where then you're no longer, con then it takes you out of continuity. I, which also I think is bullshit. Like comics are like, it doesn't really matter. One run can be done by somebody else. But I think somebody like that does something like that would give a whole nother, a whole nother, like a bunch of new eyes on something for, on this, in this industry, because her work is so pretty. It's so different. And it's also like people, people like it, right? They do. Um, and it's funny that you say it's different because it's different from the comic book industry, right, right. but uh, I follow a lot of right. like Disney inspired accounts. And so there's a lot of art that's that just like framed her. around like her style. So I have well, because those a dozen artists that, that look well, like that. That's all the kids that like came up after her that just took <laughs> that style, right? So you like, you took that style and kind of developed it. And then a lot of that stuff, like I see a lot of the artists probably that you see, and then usually you only have to follow one person that draws like that because the rest are all the similar, right? Mm -hmm. So like, it's, they're not doing anything different with it. There's no point in actually following all of them because they're all the same. So, um, but yeah, like for instance, do you feel like, I feel like something like that would give some more uh, variety to these characters that are for the most part immortal, right? Like why do they have to be done by these guys from the nineties forever? Um, they all looks the same to you, to, to us as the viewer, if it continues, stays the same, but you give them a different look, a different take. It actually gives and gets, puts eyes on it that wouldn't normally see it, but they never saw it before because it always looked the same, right? And what about you, Spence? I have um, in our, my notes, I just have the one critique that you had mentioned someone given you before, and it just sticks to me every single time. That one person that went up to you and told you that your transitions are weak. <laughs> <laughs> it's still funny to this day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Still hilarious. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, we're talking about art, but it really bleeds into everything. It yeah, bleeds, it, it, and, it, and it starts, I mean, as a teacher, it starts at at our youngest age, really, in what we uh, what we what we like, what we don't like. And we're so vocal about it. Um, I mean, kids will be like, this is my favorite teacher or like this class sucks or this teacher sucks. Or um, I mean, when I first got my job, the, my the person I took over for um uh, there was some really, I mean, like everybody had an opinion about this guy. And it's like, um, I think that we, we, I don't know, like, and this might be just me simplifying it too much, but we, we really, uh, struggle at seeing the humanity in professionalism. Right. It's like this, I mean, knew you kind of said it once it gets out into the world. Um, it is, it is like critiquable, right? It is like, it, that is that product. Um, I mean, that that day I can go back and remember exactly what was happening that day. Like the week before I couldn't even move because my SI joint in my back had locked up on me. 
And so I was just grateful that, that I was even like, like being able to put this together. Um, I look at every opportunity in front of me as an opportunity for practice, right? Like, so like that day, I mean, I had to do a wedding this last weekend where, um, it was just hours upon hours and, and there wasn't a clear picture about what they wanted musically. Um, and I had to turn around and it was, they wanted mostly Latin music. And then they'd be like, they wanted like, give me like cumbia, give me like this, um, like other t- versions of, of like kind of genres of, of within the Latin sect, uh, Latinx sect of like music that they wanted. Uh, and so navigating that in a way that, that it, it's like inclusive and flowing, right? That that's incredibly hard, right? Like I was, I, I don't was, even know what that is. Like you're talking, I don't even know what that is. Well, just like salsa, right? Like <laughs> yeah, salsa yeah. dance. Like based on like what Spence is saying, I think there's like this level of like, um what he's saying is this like this level of um seeing teachers from a different like my like even soleil has teachers that she thinks is like technically um like she would never want to take a class with this teacher again and um mostly like sometimes her her thing is not saying that they're mean or they're bad but the fact that they either get too much homework or they're constantly just um like they're like they're overwhelming that 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 kid from that specific class so the rest of the, like they're they're like they're teaching from a perspective like they're the only class in in the entire school like they're giving so much homework that it's so hard to like to do everything else that they have from all the other teachers because mm-hmm. one teacher is being a little bit overbearing on what is um being released like she's not accommodating for the fact that these kids have other classes or other teachers with x amount of homework as well mm-hmm. and i think she finds that to be frustrating and that's what our she finds that or like if they're boring right like if you're teaching with the perspective like you have a like a your 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 tempo is one like thing it's just one tempo the whole way it's kind of like reminds me of like Fer- ferris bueller with the guy that would say you know at the beginning is all bueller bueller, bueller. Like, just had the same yeah he had the same line like what he teach the same way too? Like I think Soleil says she has a problem with teachers like that because she just falls asleep, you know. So I stepping in as like an administrator, these people would say, "Hey, like our our principal sucks, right?" And so my my thought was, I mean, this is one per- this is a person who's my professor, right? And so and and who's done it for twenty plus years, uh, been an administrator, and so it's like why. And it's all he's been there for 20 fucking years. No, no, no. This is her. This was her first year. Right. And 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 it's and and no, like, I mean, it's not it's more the I mean, it's more the perception where like um, nobody likes the police officer. Why? Because typically, I mean, if if even if they're a good police officer. Right. Because they because if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, they're getting they're getting they're being held accountable. Nobody likes to be held accountable to a certain extent, right? Um, it's not and so, just that. I think it's also the sense of like seeing them, and then the fact that you're on eggshells around that person's vicinity as well. Yeah, and a little uncomfortable. It, it, there, it, well, there's so many layers to it, probably, yeah. right? And yeah. and so the only time you talk to that person is if you're in trouble, right? Or um, you they 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 the the the, the student is perceiving. Um, any experience is kind of like a negative experience just in general um oh i heard what they said to my friend right or oh that but she's racist right and it's like i mean how like why right like i i would i would from my experience i didn't see that right um and so just having i, I just try to have a curiosity when when those things would pop up and it, the same thing is like if a, a student is talking about like a teacher's curriculum it's like well why and then in talking to that teacher about their curriculum it's it's having a curiosity with them or a parent like a parent i had kids um really like last week of the school year they're just firing on all cylinders and uh i call i was calling parents like the last week and i had some just apologizing and i'm like you didn't say what they said to me they said it right um so i'm just letting you know and kind of trying to create accountability in that sense um i feel like if you do it with care and compassion right and 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 kind of like a you know better like come on now um for the most part it you're going to get fans and and people there the students are going to kind of join you in the program that you're trying to build and run and the community and culture um but 
in a grander scheme societally, we don't have enough interaction with people to have uh, a real deep understanding. Like you said, that one guy's just a jerk to his uh, fan base. Like, I mean, I think, I, I mean, I would just go out on a limb. Like, New, you have a really strong fan base because you're not right. You're a very, you're, you're, you're very humble. You're approachable. You, you are. Well, and then the thing is, I, the thing is, I would say that I only, I'm only this way because I learned from these guys' mistakes. I did the opposite of what I, how I was treated by the same people. But you didn't have to, you, you could have looked at their example and followed it, but you, I mean, you took the, you took the bad coach example, right? You're like, I mean, I've had bad, I've, I've coached for 20 plus years. I've had bad coaches and they taught me just as much as the good coaches because it's like what not to do or at least what ethically and internally you were like, no, that's not me. Right. Like I was, I was selling insurance for a year and the guy was like, okay, um, get them to rerun their, rerun their credit and you'll see that they, they get, they get a better rate for their car insurance, but tell them that they're going to, um, basically say, Hey, if you get your car insurance and this other policy, I can do that for you at this price, but don't rerun their credit and and put it through if it just gets them a lower rate. Like to yeah, me, that's to me that's before you're hitting their credit again. To, to well, no, like it, it, to me that was them trying to keep as much premium in their pocket and uh, or get more premium. Yeah, I see. Like that's what the criticism is. But the thing is, sometimes depending on the delivery, you take offense to it, depending on the situation. But like when it comes down to art, I I feel like. It comes down to art or any kind of critiquing, right? Tao, this is what it really comes down to. I think that when it comes down to it, you got to learn to take a punch in the face and then get back up. Because, like, no matter what, everybody's going to criticize you or tell you they like you, they don't like you, they want you to quit. They want you to quit. And the thing is, if they punch you hard enough, you think you'll quit. But if you continue to get up and try to make improvements on what they're saying or ignore things that are bad, like, I'll give you guys a really quick example. I was at a show. I think I was in L.A. for a show. And I did a group of like cosplaying girls came by and they were all wearing like Disney stuff. And then they were all like looking at my drawing. Like this is like when I had the Beauty and the Beast print with the with the, the one with the. And then they sat there and they were fixated on the fact that she was wearing Chuck Taylors, and they were just sitting there. And I like they weren't talking to me; they were talking. To me. And they were just like criticizing everything about it. Like she doesn't wear those shoes. Why would she wear those shoes? I can't believe like that is that didn't even make any sense. They're like sitting there criticizing this this thing for like a while. And they just kept like, but they're not talking to me. They're just like right in front of the table, just talking and talking and just criticizing it and saying how it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't like this 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 not accurate, blah, blah, blah. And they just kept going forever. So like they, and then at one point I just kind of was like, hey. Hey, I was like, do you guys notice anything else about all this artwork? And then the girl goes, oh, they're, they're, they're all wearing them. And I was like, yes, not for you. Get the fuck out of here. You know? so it's, like, it's like I gave them a chance to kind of like just go off on their own. But then eventually it gets to the point where like, dude, this isn't for you. Like there's so much other stuff here. There's something for everyone at a convention. And you don't have to sit there and fixate on somebody you don't like. Like, you can go, like, I always, most of the time nowadays, if somebody tells me they don't like my stuff, I was like, no, that's cool. There's so much stuff here to check out. I'm sure you'll find something you like. And that's kind of, like, how I navigate out of those situations now. Because it's not, like, it doesn't really hurt me that they want to say bad things. Not anymore. It doesn't matter to me. Like, um, like I think back in the day, like, it probably, it probably hurt. Because <laughs> especially with, like, the fact that I didn't sell anything for a long time, that would probably even hurt worse when they said you sucked. Like back in the day, you know. So um, nowadays, it doesn't bother me. I th- I find those kind of things entertaining, um, you know. So like, uh, but that I think that's kind of like the idea when you're going in any kind of thing and putting yourself out there to the public. You have to be like able to take a punch and then keep walking. Like not, you know, it's not really a, not like a Will Smith thing, but like really just like <laughs> be able to take a critique and then just be able to get back up and keep walking, right? And keep trying and keep really keep working and keep putting stuff out there regardless of the fact that one person didn't like it well i mean it, it comes down to ego right like and i mean right. you referenced it earlier but it's like um if you are emotionally secure you, you, cool it's like i mean it's it's like thank you thank you for your input yeah. um you filter and you process like is this gonna is this going to uh is this information i need or not and you move forward with that 
So, so how did you handle the the, the guy that told you your your transitions? Yeah, did you did you improve your transitions, Spence? Did you? Uh, no, I just I I got more purposeful with them. I mean, like, it, and in that day, like, it's it's it. The, here's the challenge about DJing a wedding, which I mean, I don't know. Only if you do it, you really understand, maybe, or because uh, in a club setting, you're pretty much you you might even have a set that you like practice and have like timed out, right? Right. Um, if I'm DJing a wedding, like one wedding might be like, do not play any country music. And the very next day they're like, do not like all we want is country music. Right. So I have to be nimble enough to be able to deliver whatever experience, like a couple wants, um, like Sunday, right. Like, uh, they, they wanted a lot of Latin music and, and like types that I didn't necessarily have familiarity with. Um, but I, I delivered. Right. And, and I would say, I, I don't know. I wouldn't say it was like the greatest, um, I haven't checked in with the couple, uh, but at the same time, like people were engaged, they were dancing and I did the best that I possibly could in that moment. Could I do better? Yeah, I can. You, I mean, like, that, like you said, in having a learner's mindset, you can always do better. So when that guy came up and said that to me, it was fair, right? Like, and I've, I've been in bars or clubs where I'm like, this is terrible, right? Like, this, like what, what is this guy doing? Right. Um, and, and. I don't necessarily have a place. I don't need to be in that space doing that, right? I could just enjoy it. Um, my challenge is uh, continuity, flow. Uh, I'm going from different tempos. Like most of the time, DJs are going to stay in the same tempo. Uh, I'm I'm going I'm going from like a faster song song tempo to a slower song tempo, and I'm making it like. I've had other DJs come up and be like, wow, "Like you do that really well," because I've had to do that for. The weddings. Well, yeah, I mean, since I mean, I guess I've been DJing weddings for almost 15 years now, which is I mean, like, that's the, the crazy thing is. And, and even before, like, I, I was able to I would take songs and I would just create a playlist and like just run the playlist so that I could party, too. But then when people wanted me to actually like DJ, I couldn't I couldn't party anymore. Right. So it's like it was making the pivot and understanding like, OK, the music's not about me. It's about what this this couple wants. And taking that lens and then having to deliver. I get one shot. I have one shot to like to, to nail the set um, for a wedding. And, and it's not, there's, never, there's not another opportunity. So it, it's, uh, it's, it's a collaboration with the, the couple. It's a collaboration with the, the group, right? Like the weekend before, this couple was like 80s or no. They, they, they didn't want like certain, like they didn't want Michael Jackson and a couple other things. And they were like, we want 90s. 2000s, 2010s, and current like kind of pop music, and so right off the bat, I just like I, I hit him with some pitbull, um, like give give me everything, and it's just like, and from there, like I can just, I, it, was, audience, it, it was right, so you engage the audience of what they're feeling, what they're not feeling. Exactly. Well, and I'm reading that from the get go, uh, but it was from start to finish. They they went hard. I mean, it was. And then sometimes it's a it's a one hour set. Sometimes it's a five hour set. So right. have, have like and 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 uh, if they give me like one hour of music, I'm having to build out another four hours. Yeah. And and there was like one song in this wedding on Sunday where she kind of gave me like the no, nah, not this. Um, but it's like I yeah I'm I'm just fishing for I'm I'm fishing in the dark right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the critique of it all is is it's an opportunity to make me better. I don't know. I did stand-up comedy for a little bit. And yeah, I think, you know, and then how does, like, it seems like you did a lot of stuff, Spence. Like, you do all these different kind of things of teaching. Like, I always kind of, I'm a firm believer is the more things you try outside of that one niche market, that you tend to kind of, like, uh, connect things quicker, like, learn things more efficiently, faster, based what? on how many more things have you learned over time. Yeah. Like, if I, like, I feel like if you... If I'm an artist, but then I try to learn how to play the piano, like that learning curve, like shortens all the learning curves going into new projects because I've, I'm shortening all those, those, uh, those, um, how to kind of connect those things and learn faster, right? And I think that like that helps with like all the different things that you did to be able to read things, react to things, and then also change up things when they're not working, and then try something else and slide something else in there when it is working. And then kind of like refer back to this, refer back to that kind of thing, you know. So it's just kind of like you're feeling it, right? And it's well, that, I mean, that's and that's it's funny because it's just like as you're saying that it's just like shoot from the hip, right? Like, and that yeah. is, um, I generally, 
am, am I, I don't know. I could probably be better if I planned certain things out. I generally shoot from the hip a lot. Um, and some people, like some teachers, are like, I don't, I could never do what you just did, right? But it's like there's a flexibility. Okay, I have like these are my targets, and I need to hit these things. Um, it, and it allows kind of a, a more of a flow and a more agile, like you're able to be more agile. Like if something doesn't go right, you can quickly pivot to something else. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's kind of like what, like what Talos came up to me before and said, like, she's seen me start a drawing and then Talos like, she'll talk to me after it's done. And she's like, dude, well, at the beginning of that, I thought there was no way you're going to pull that off. And I was like, yeah, I kind of felt what you were feeling at the beginning, right? And it's kind of like the thing is I do the same thing. I kind of like at the beginning, yeah, I'm not feeling it. Yeah, it's, this is going to be a disaster. But I continually use all the techniques that I had. I continually try to make all those decisions. And that's and then, and then the end result ends up being a solid piece because of all those way, all those, all those like times I've really given up on something. And then like, and that's the thing is being on camera is hard because like you have to be able to like, do that on the fly kind of thing. So it creates, like, you know? it, cre it creates a positive anxiety, right? right. It creates right. that you stress, right? It's like, okay, now it's like crunch time yeah. and, it, and, it, and it hits that, it optimizes that maximum performance for that experience, right? Without that stress, you're, you're not actually, uh, you're not actually maximizing your own pot potential or future potential, right? Yeah. Because if you don't have if you don't have practice moments at that at that stress level, uh, you're not able to really manage. Yeah, you'll fall apart. You'll crumble. Right. And that's like, that's the same thing. Like, that's what I talk about. Like young. If there's any young artists like listening to this, the thing is, like, also, it's really important that you draw with pencil and paper. It's, it's, it's almost like more and more important than learning how to do things digitally. Digitally, there's always there's a there's a fallacy when you're drawing on the digital platform that you can always go backwards. Like you can always take it back. Like the fact of the pen and paper, you can't take it back. It's like you, you're, you're putting it down, you're committing. And once you get used to committing, therefore it makes you a stronger artist overall. Like, like there's like tons of digital, digital artists we see that are young kids and they're phenomenal online. You ask them to draw with the pen and paper, they'll freeze up like deer in the headlights because they don't know how to actually commit because they can always go backwards on the iPad. They can always just push undo on the computer. The fact that they like the 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 fact the blank piece of paper and a pencil terrifies them. It just makes them weaker artists. And like over and that's kind of like that's kind of like one of the main critiques I have against the younger generation is they're too dependent and they're using it as a crutch. They're using like digital platform as a crutch to be able to like not find their real potential. Like what you said, Spencer, put yourself in that position. And see what you can what you can be made out of it. What can that make make out of you by drawing in front of live people? Like what what can you be after that? You know, and then what what can you can possibly be better because of it? You know, so what about you, Tao? What is what does all those kids say about how terrible your advice is at school? Oh well, if they don't like me, they don't come back. And <laughs> if I do a good job, they also don't come back. So, <laughs> so you don't know. <laughs> So yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, that, that's a key thing. I mean, just like if feedback is necessary. Yeah. I mean, and, and you want you want a, a level of feedback that is, yeah, professional and respectful. Yeah. But like not hearing back what they thought doesn't allow you to be like, OK, that 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 information was was useful. Yeah. So then you're not hearing a lot of feedback when you're doing your job, Tao. Like just no, like. I mean... I don't see as many students because my job is doing a lot of boring administrative stuff. Um, and the students that I do see are students that do that they return um, because they really enjoy working with me. So the ones I don't see either we didn't spark a, a strong enough connection that they felt like they had to come back to me um, or, you know, maybe they really didn't like me. If, if I make a major mistake, then they're going to complain. And I do learn from that. If I get the wrong advice and I told them one deadline and it turns out it was a different deadline, you know, my department tells me and just says, hey, you know, like, don't worry about it. We make mistakes and we have to try to remember requirements for all of these different campuses and all these different majors and work with all these students for anywhere from 15 to 45 minutes at a time. Um, and they might remember us, but they are one out of a hundred students you see in a month. Um, but whenever I do 
get feedback of I got this information wrong. Like I file it away and I try like that. Those moments stick with me because those are the mistakes that I remember. And those are the things that I don't forget. Like that one little rule that everyone overlooked, I no longer overlook because of that one instance. I learned from it and moving forward, I try my best not to make that mistake ever again. Um, and, you know, definitely I've seen you with your sketches. I think there's some recognition that you can make really great things with mistakes. I'm thinking about at Comic-Con when uh, I tried, I convinced you to do a remark on your Darth Maul. And I remember <laughs> you had smudged the um the paper and you're like crap like what am I supposed to do with that and then what ended up happening is you turned them into music notes <laughs> <laughs> but then there also should be recognition that sometimes things just don't work out yeah, and again yeah. I'm thinking of my very favorite mohawk storm that turned into an Ahsoka <laughs> yeah well, I don't even know I think I made sure I got rid of that but I might be around here somewhere you did I wish I had kept it yeah. well um <laughs> So, you know, we're getting into convention season. Like, I know it's probably been started, but for me, it doesn't start until this coming month. Um, you know, like, I've, like, when I was growing up, there's a lot of 90s guys that I was a big fan of. Um, and they were always mean, you know, like, to me personally. Uh, I, I'm not taking them personal, but I can definitely can see how much they treated women better than they treated males. <laughs> so, so, but as you've gone forward, I'm kind of looking at like, and then I talked to other people that knew them and they're just always like, oh, they're just, they just can't handle that many people or they can't, or they're just grumpy. They can't making excuses for these people to be um, terrible to their fans. And um, like my, like my one critique of the industry is that you don't get an excuse to be an asshole and you don't get excused for being an asshole to the people that support you on these on this level people wait in line for you and they hang out for you and they're sitting here waiting to see you and then your your excuse is you can't handle people or you don't like dealing with these type of things or you don't like this and you don't like that i don't give a shit you don't get the right to treat people that are supporting you like fucking an asshole like you, you there's no excuse for that type of behavior there's no excuse for like like all these people waiting in line to see you and you get to like you get to say oh, i'm just having a bad day like you, this is a this. You're here for two goddamn days. Suck it up, man. Like you don't get to, you don't get that. You don't get to do that to people that are actually supporting you. You don't even, you don't even belong in this industry if the people that are supporting you don't matter. Like it's bullshit. Well, I would say any industry, right? Like I mean, if, 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 like if I'm teaching, if I'm teaching, and I just all I do is complain about the kids that I'm teaching. Yeah. Uh, it, it, why am I teaching? Right? Like. Yeah. Uh, am I, if I'm if I'm trying to make it, if I'm making a positive impact and that's my goal and I'm doing that, or if I'm um, like trying to rack my brain about how to uh, get a, a particular student to like engage or to make a breakthrough, like that, I see as kind of a positive, positive, positive gripes, right? In a way, like you're really just you're, you're you're digging deep to try to figure out how you can help this one student. And I've, I, I have lots of students like that. But if, if you like you're saying, like if all if the, I think the critiques that really matter are like how 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 are, how are we treating people? Are we treating people like just uh, means to an end or like a, a cut the check kind of experience? Or are we are we is it like can can I provide them with something that might benefit them? And they might even be able to provide something that might benefit me. Right. Like th there's there's a. Uh, social and like i don't know like grander transaction happening it shouldn't just be like this oh like he, he i like your stuff cool and that word right there already bothers me because it's always like they're always talking about stuff this is this is like something that you've created yeah. um Spence, Spence always Spence it hangs out with me more than he always gets upset when they always go like this like, stuff's really cool. Oh, you do this for a living. You like, like you. you it's you, just so you ignorant. Thing, or you like are like in this sense, like what the fuck did you just say? I'm like, it's just like it doesn't matter. It's like, just so. Uh, it's just ignorant, right? Like I, I mean, if 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 somebody's pulling this together, it's yeah. it's critical and it's important to to honor it, right? Like I, I mean, if it, it, whether you like it or not, um, they for the it, like if they've put time and energy on it, you can see that, right? Um, th that 101 like essays, um, I, I, that'll probably be my uh, offering, but yeah. There, yeah. there's a, there's a part in there where it basically says you can, you could be the person that wants it most, but it goes to the person with the most experience 
It goes to the person who, who is, has, is doing it the right way, not the person that just wants it most because everybody is like wants it most. You have to be able to put like put the put the pen to paper, put the pencil to paper and, and actually do the hard work to, to get there. Right. And those are the people that that understand like there's no need to critique. Right. There's no need like this isn't this. It's, it's a journey. Well, dude, now I'll give you guys like one like one thing before we get out of here too. Like, what, based on what you're saying too, I have a friend of mine who's probably one of the like a, one of the greatest artists that I know. And when I was coming up, he's really good. And he's just like, um, I'm not gonna tell like who he is because because he probably what you call, but he like want to hear. But he, for me, I was a huge. I'm a huge fan of his work. He he's like constantly second guesses himself that he's not good enough all the time. Um, he kind of he's just not that type of artist. That's grandiose. He doesn't think he's that. He's that. But I'll, everybody else sees it in him. Like everybody else sees how good he is at what he does. It's just that he doesn't believe in himself. Um, and there's one story that he told me when he was younger, uh, uh, like he was in college. And like one of these like guys, like we're talking about like a professor level guy, we're talking about like um, Steven Silver. If you guys are not like, like know with him, he used to, he designed like Kim Possible and a lot of these Disney stuff. Uh, he's at conventions a lot too. Um, yeah, he, he did like terrible critiquing. He would like go to like these art schools and critique people until like telling them that he would never, like he told this guy that he'd never make it in this industry. He should just quit and go home because he sucks. At, like he's just like terrible at what he does. He's terrible at what he like. Like he basically, you're on this level of critique. You're looking at the idea that the, he's out there just to basically make people quit. He's not there. He's not there to actually bring people up. He's not there to actually inspire people. He's there to make people quit because in in that kind of grand scheme of things guess what that's less competition a lot less competition for him in an industry that's already kind of small like so you're looking at these kind of like levels of to toxic people that are actually just doing this and then and then they justify it by saying this if they can't take it then they shouldn't be working here anyway like they're justifying being a bully because they're saying they're helping like if somebody can take me picking on somebody like that and they continually get up that means they, they deserve to be here. But if they don't, they're be, he's all, they were too weak, right? So like he's gonna justify that, that kind of behavior to like to basically just be a bully, like for whatever ends it is. Either he doesn't want him in the industry because he's better than him or whatever, whatever else it is, it's just a dick move. Like there's tons of ways of actually like, there's enough, <laughs> there's enough money in this goddamn world for everyone there's enough like there's enough recognition there's enough attention for everyone in this world you don't have to sit there and say that i need it all for myself right i think that's just like and that type, that type of shit and that type of critique is just selfish and it's fucking it's fucking terrible people and will smith should give him a visit pal will smith should go to his house and give him a visit because that's that's what should happen to people like that you know so from now on, when we have to critique people as human beings, we send Will Smith after them. Well, I think he, I think he can have a new profession about just getting sent to people's houses and slapping them. So he is legend. <laughs> but uh, but hopefully, you know, uh, I think like I think that's kind of like uh, uh, a good kind of understanding what critiquing is. I'm saying that like I'm still growing from it, but I've uh, been known to. Uh, try to point out the good things about people's artwork, even though I don't like it's not my thing or it isn't this. But the thing is, like, try to give them a well-rounded understanding that there is no rules to this work, this thing, because I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm trying to make you who you're supposed to be. And I'm not trying to make you into me. I'm trying to make you into who you are supposed to be as an individual in this world that has an individual taste, an individual style and an individual thing to offer this world that is uniquely yours. Not mine, not Jay Scott Campbell's, not Adam Hughes, not anybody else. You, right? What do you have to offer? What do you have to say? And my my critiquing is all about trying to find who you are and what you do and what can you offer this world that is uniquely yours and nothing and nobody else's. And I think that's the most important thing when it comes down to critiquing from my perspective, you know, is to offer them themselves, <laughs> you know, offer them a way to find themselves. In, a, in an authentic way, right? Like in a, in a real and authentic way. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. We have too many people copying each other. We need to find people that want to be themselves, Tao. Not like they don't want to be Glenn Keen. They want to be themselves. I think that's a beautiful way to kind of wrap it up. Uh, what are 
uh, what are our offerings? Go ahead, Tao. Well, mine What's your favorite been... Disney artist, Tao? <laughs> My <laughs> offering is not on topic at all. I, I think it's always a coin flip whether or not it's actually going to be related or not. Uh, my offering, because this what, this is coming out June 15th, uh, and so it is Pride Month. Mm. And so I actually have two offerings that technically are four, um, and they are two books that were also adapted into film. Um, one is called Wonder by uh, R.L. Uh, Palacio. And the other one is um, a book called, one second, I'm looking it up, Beautiful Boy, A Father's Journey Through His Son's Addiction uh, by David Sheff. Um, Wonder was adapted into a film in 2017. It stars Julia Roberts. And Beautiful Boy was a uh, Netflix, no, no, Amazon original uh, in 2018, starring Steve Carell and Timothy Chalamet. Um, Wonders about a boy with a facial deformity and Beautiful Boy, as you could hear from the book title, is actually about a man who went through um, drug addiction. And I know I said it's Pride Month, and uh, neither of these are about pride. They're about uh, other things. But um, the reason why I'm bringing them up is because I did have a transgender student um, who was sharing with me her experience and what it was like struggling um, to become comfortable with who she was. Uh, and she also went through a very tough period where she was taking drugs to just relief herself from just the, the emotions and the struggle that she was feeling. And um, when she offered to provide some more information about her own experiences, um, she brought up these two uh, examples. And she just felt that, especially the books or audiobooks, if you can do it, uh, and if you don't have time, she recommended the movies then. She said that if you wanted to get a better understanding of what it's like as a transgender person trying to come to terms with who they are. Both of those provide wonderful examples of what it's like to be bullied for not being able to live the way they want to live um, and being confused and depressed and just struggling with their own identity. So those are my two offerings, um, Wonder and Beautiful Boy. All right, I'll go next. Mine is uh, it's a book, again, called 101 Essays That Will Change the Way You Think by Brianna, uh, Brianna Weist. Uh, and so, yeah, there's, I mean, some of them, I mean, a lot of them have uh, themes that are similar, but as I'm listening to it, I'm probably going to buy this book, too. Uh, it, it, there's just a lot of practical pieces in there for adjusting the framework of how you're thinking about things. So 101 essays that will change the way you think. Nope. Uh, so actually, you know, the thing is like, um, I want you guys to all stop the nonsense you're watching on TV right now. Like just fuck stranger things, fuck the boys, fuck all of that bullshit and watch the offer on Paramount plus about the making of the Godfather. It's the most amazing thing you'll ever see. And it's far superior than all that nonsense out there that everybody else is watching. It's just like blown me away. I'm watching this thing and it's just phenomenal, phenomenally acted, phenomenally like casted. It's, it's amazing. The rest of this stuff, the rest of it's just junk food, Tao. The rest of all that shit is just junk food. So watch the offer on Paramount Plus. It'll change. It's, it's just so dope how they. It's like the making of The Godfather, uh, from the perspective of like the the producer, the director, the actors, the the studio, everything. It's phenomenal. I don't think enough people have like seen it, and I just started, and I'm just like, I don't know why I watched anything else. Probably so. because no one pays for Paramount Plus. Shut up, Tao. You shut up. <laughs> So I, but yeah, so it's the offer. Uh, my offering is the offer, which is basically just a, a show about like what all the trials, all the struggles, everything that went down in order to make the Godfather during that time. 
um, especially with like dealing with the mob and dealing with all these other things and how difficult it was. Um, I think it's phenomenally done. So I think people should go watch it. On the offering page, Spence, just add in the page on like the pricing for Paramount Plus. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. I think I saw something online. It was only two dollars, Tao. Probably because they're trying to get people to sign up because no one signs up for it. <laughs> and then they're going to kick it up to 20 bucks. Yeah, probably. Probably. All right. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate that. I hope, thank you guys for taking the time. Special thanks to hosts That Tao, Nooligan, DJ Crump. Music by Ghost HD. Produced by DJ Crump. Production by Ghost Wish. Thank you.